Good morning. Today's reading can be found on page 509. It's Psalm 111. Great are the Lord's works. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty in his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. That's the word of the Lord. Please join me in a prayer of thanksgiving. Dear God, we have so much to be thankful and grateful for. It's, it's innumerable. From the very breath we take every second to, to our congregation, to the state we live in. Lord, we are thankful for the church that we have. We are thankful that we have the freedoms to worship you. But most importantly, Lord, we are thankful for your word, your word that endures forever, that is always right, that never changes. Amen. And please join me in Eddie preaching on Psalm 111. Thank you. Well, today is my birthday. And uh, I woke up this morning and told Kiva that what a gift the church has given me to preach on my birthday. Uh, what a wonderful way to start a new year off uh, with fear and trembling in the Lord, to, uh, to have time in the Word, uh, to set the year straight, and, and to get off on, on the right foot. So thank you all for this opportunity to, uh, to be with you all this morning. We are finishing up during these next two weeks our time in Psalms before we go back to the book of Acts. And while we have not had a, a uh, multiple series sermon uh, within Acts, or I'm sorry, within Psalms, um, last week, this week, and next week go very well together. In fact, if, if you did not have an opportunity to hear um, our sermon from Psalm 99 uh, last week, I encourage you to do so. Encourage you to, to go there. It's very hard to understand praise of the Lord without being deeply rooted and grounded in his holiness. When you understand how holy he is, it makes this what we're talking about today, praise the Lord, comes pretty natural. So if you missed Psalm 99, go back and listen to that. And then we'll move today, we're going to talk about uh, Psalm 111. So we're moving into book five of the Psalms. Uh, book 5 uh, goes from Psalm 107 to Psalm 145. Um, 
in, in the book, it consists of uh, talking about the coming messianic king and then the praise of the Lord. Uh, Psalm 107 to 112 is about the coming messianic king. And then you have this nice break with Psalm 110 and 111. You can see them as a, a matched pair. Uh, they, they, they go quite nicely together. And in fact, uh, they're both an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. So if you do find yourself quarantined over the next few months and you want to have something to do, you can look at Psalm 119 and you can study your Hebrew alphabet. Uh, all, all of the words of the Hebrew alphabet are, are in there. But as you look at, uh, at Psalm 111 and Psalm 112, they're moving through letter by letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You can think of this as the alpha and the omega going all the way through, looking at God's works, and then looking at what that does with a righteous man. And we'll talk about that over the next two weeks. Uh, Psalm 113 to 118 um, is what they call the Hillel. Uh, this was uh, preeminently uh, psalms of praise. Uh, they, were, they were chanted in the temple during the Passover lambs when the Passover lambs were being slain. So that was Psalm 113 to 118. And then uh, 120 to 136 is what we call the Song of Ascents. And then 146 to 150 is just over and over again praising the Lord. They all end in praise Yahweh. And so we're, we're finishing up in the book of Acts. So the, the book of Psalms is all about praise, 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 praise. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Verse 1, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright and the congregation. I want to share with y'all, encourage y'all, please give testimony as a body. Tell me your story. Tell each other your story. Talk about what God has done, the testimony, what he's done in your life. This is good for us to hear as we fellowship with one another. What does praise even mean? Expressing respect, paying homage to, giving gratitude, approval. And when you look at the Bible, uh, you have creation. God created everything. And then right after that, you have the fall. You have Adam and Eve being cast out of the garden. You have the flood, the promise to never flood again. You have God's chosen people coming through Abraham. The promise of a nation. Abraham has a son, Isaac, who has a son, Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons found it fascinating that the first time in the Bible that praise is mentioned is after Leah gives birth to her fourth son. I know who Leah's fourth son was? Judah. So Judah, uh, Leah was his, her fourth son. She says, this time I will praise the Lord. It's the first time we hear praise in the Bible. Abraham was the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Perez the father of, for 11 more generations, we get to David. For 14 more generations, we get to the deportation of Babylon, and 14 more generations, we get to the birth of Jesus Christ. That's a reason to praise. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to Uh, to look at Jacob's blessing to Judah uh, just before Jacob passes away in Genesis 49, verses 8 through 12. So let's look at our our reasons to praise in in Psalm 111. The works of the Lord are, verse 2, great. 
Verse 3, honorable, glorious, full of splendor and majesty. Verse 6, powerful. Verse 7, faithful, just, trustworthy, sure. Verse 8, enduring forevermore, performed with truth and uprightness. That's a reason to praise. Looking at verse 2, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Church, we have got to study the works of the Lord. The more you study the works of the Lord, the more you delight in what you learn through the Bible. We've got a number of places for you to do that institutionally within, within our body. We've got the men's Bible study that meets on Friday at Campo Azul. The women gather on Tuesday evenings to study the word. We've got a midweek Bible study where we talk about the sermon via Zoom. So even if you don't live in town, you can join us through Zoom so that we can talk about the Word. The more we spend time talking about who God is and what He's done, the more we delight and want to spend more time talking about who He is and what He's done. So please do that with us. Read the Bible with a friend. Talk about what you're learning. Delight in the work of the Lord and study it. You know, I had I had a couple conversations this week with people in the body, uh, believers, people who had a time of studying the word, of delighting in the word, and when they were honest with me, and they said, you know, truth is I haven't been studying the word lately. I haven't been reading. I haven't been praying. And that happens with all of us when we choose to step away from spending time with the Lord. When we don't start our day off in prayer, when we don't pray, when we don't study the word, we lose that delighting in who he is and what he's done. We forget. I forget. We need to be reminded, and his word is what reminds us. Verse 3, full of splendor and majesty in his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his works, his wondrous works, to be remembered The Lord is gracious and merciful. Church, God has caused his works to be remembered. That's a reason to praise because we're forgetful. He gives us reason to remember what he's done. God is gracious and merciful, full of compassion. That's a reason to praise. The psalmist calls to his audience his audience, his audience isn't us. His audience was at his time and at his place. And he says, remember, he sought out you as his people. Remember, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Remember, you were slaves, but now you're free. Remember, remember, remember him. The Lord brought you through the Red Sea. Remember mighty miracles that you have seen. All of these are reasons to praise. Take account of your own life. Have you written down your testimony? I was able to hear some testimony this week. It was good. It was good to hear what the Lord has done. Sin that we've been wrapped up in for weeks, for months, for years, for decades, and all of a sudden the Lord makes that taste not taste good anymore. He he takes what we wanted to do with our sin, and he changes us. That's a reason to praise. That's what he does. 
But if you don't write that down, if you don't share that with somebody, if you don't share that with us, we miss out. We are not able to remember what he's done in your life, in our own life, and we forget. Children, learn from your parents. Ask your parents to teach you about God's hand throughout history. In the Bible, of course. But it's not just in the Bible that God's hand has been on history. How has the Lord worked in the founding of our country? How has the Lord worked throughout world history? Study these things because God is not just at work in what we read here. He has continued to be at work throughout all of time. Got a little carried away and I forgot to tell you all the first section of this. So for those of you taking notes, the first section was a praise and thanksgiving for his great works. Let's move to the second section. Our covenant relationship. The theme of this song, we have reason to praise God for his eternal covenant fulfilled in Jesus Christ, allowing us to forever fellowship with God. In verse 5 we read, he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. The psalmist again is saying, remember the Lord provided quail at twilight and manna in the morning each day we traveled through the desert. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 16. God is your caretaker. He's your provider. He's committed to his covenant. All of this in verse 5, that's a reason to praise. So how does God relate to man? Since the creation of the world, God's relationship to man has been defined by specific requirements and promises. God tells his people how he wants them to act and also makes promises about how he will act toward them in various circumstances. The Bible contains several summaries of the provisions that define the different relationships between God and man that occur in Scripture. And we often call those summaries covenants. So what's a covenant? Covenant's an unchangeable divinely imposed legal agreement between God and man. This stipulates the conditions of their relationship. I'm going to repeat that. A covenant is an unchangeable, divinely imposed legal agreement between God and man. This stipulates the conditions of their relationship. It might be helpful to think about something that, that we have today. Uh, Rather than a contract that if I'm, in, if I'm in a contract with you and you break your part of the contract, the contract's now null and void, right? Well, this is more like a last will and a testament. Last will and testament's not a contract. It's me saying, this is what I own. At my death, these things will happen. You can't say that, you can't change that. That's, I'm saying this is the way it's going to be and this is how it's going to be conditioned. 
Yeah, so let's talk about death for a moment. The first thing you know, need to know about death is that dead people don't own stuff. What you have on this earth does not come with you when you die. And so there must be an arrangement for these things to pass to some other person, to another entity, or to the government. Otherwise, we just have stuff all over the place, and it wouldn't have title. It wouldn't have ownership. So as a, as a sidebar, uh, putting on a, a different hat for a moment, if you do not have a last will and testament, especially if you have children, what I want you to do on Monday is get a last will and testament. You need to have a last will and testament because remember, when you die, you don't own anything. And so we're all going to have to figure out how we're going to handle that. So we'll talk about that here more in just a little bit. Jeremiah 31, 33. It sums up the covenants. God says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. So let's spend some time looking at the first covenant. We call it the covenant of works. Um, you might have heard the covenant of nature, the Adamic covenant, all synonymous for the covenant of works. So let's break it down real quick. So the parties, you've got God and you've got Adam. There's no mediator. There's no one in between God and Adam. It's just God and Adam in this covenant. So what are the conditions? Well, God tells Adam to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the earth. What is the provision that he gives? Because he always gives provision in order for you to follow through with this covenant. His provision is that he'll give them every plant, every seed, all the fruit, all the animals for food. That Adam had everything he needed to be sustained eternally with God in the garden. With a covenant, you always have a blessing, a promised blessing. So what's this promised blessing? He's not going to receive death. The blessing would involve physical life that would not end in spiritual life in terms of a relationship with God that would go on forever. You can look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. Says, out of, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So the presence of the tree in the garden also signifies the promise of eternal life. Eternal life with God. That if Adam and Eve met the conditions of their covenant relationship by obeying God completely until he decided their time of testing was finished. Another thing you have with all covenants is a blessing for following through and a curse for not following through. So what's the curse? You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. Genesis 2, 16 and 17, death is the curse of the works, of, of the covenant of works. Death physically, death spiritually, eternal death and separation from God is the curse of the covenant of works. So we know the story goes, right? Adam and Eve eat of the fruit, they don't follow the covenant conditions, and they're thrown out of the garden. 
but God's merciful and he has a plan. So is the covenant of works still in force today? Yes. If you can fulfill the covenant of works perfect, perfectly, perfect obedience to God's laws, it would lead to eternal life. You can look at Romans chapter 7, verse 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 5. Galatians 3, verse 12. In summary, what they say is the one who fulfills his covenant of works shall live. However, the curse of the covenant of works is still there. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The covenant of works is still in effect for every human being apart from Christ. Jesus Christ, because he fulfilled the covenant of works. Even though no sinful human being can fulfill its provisions and gain blessing by it, after Adam and Eve were, were thrown out of the garden, heaven had a plan of redemption. A plan that would set another course for man to be saved. The rest of scripture, after the story of the fall of Genesis 3, is the story of God working out in history the amazing plan. A plan of redemption where sinful people would come into fellowship with himself. New covenant is called the covenant of grace. The theme of Psalm 111 is we have reason to praise God for his eternal covenant fulfilled in Jesus Christ allowing us to forever fellowship with God. Let's take a look at the covenant of grace. It begins with a promise to Abraham. The sharing of the Mosaic law of Mount Sinai, rules for sacrifices and festivals. All of this old covenant, this old covenant of grace is just a kick in the can down the road, waiting for someone to fulfill the covenant of works. The animal sacrifices, the festivals, they didn't fulfill the covenant of works. They just kicked the can down the road till we'd have a new covenant in Jesus Christ. So the covenant of grace, you've got old covenant and you have new covenant. Who are the parties? This time you have God and the people that God's going to redeem. The old covenant, you, you got also you have priest. With the new covenant, you have Jesus acting as a mediator between God and man. Covenant of works, there is no mediator, but now we have a mediator between God and man. So what are the provisions of the old covenant? You have the sacrificial system. You have festivals. The new covenant, you have the prophets pointing to the Messiah. You have Jesus Christ. You have scripture. What are the conditions? Faith in the work of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Now, that was both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Looking forward to Christ was still the redeeming grace of the covenant of grace and the old covenant. But there's the promised curse, death and separation from the Father, continuing in the covenant of works. You have signs, right, in the old covenant. You have circumcision, continuing the covenant relationship of observing festivals and rituals, ceremonial law, 
And then you have the sign of the new covenant, baptism, the Lord's Supper. Church, when we do the Lord's Supper, it's so powerful. I encourage you, if, you, if you're going to miss a Sunday, don't miss the first Sunday of the month. That's when we get to do the Lord's Supper. That's when we get to come together and continue in that covenant as believers with, with the Lord. If you haven't been baptized, or if you've been baptized, you know, personally, uh, I, I like it better that as coming, coming to the Lord as an adult, uh, now to be part of that covenant as a, as a man, I get to be baptized publicly versus being circumcised. So, I, you know, I appreciate that, that aspect. Verse 6, he's shown his people the power of his works and given them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They're established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. So the creator of the universe had a plan. Father, Son, Holy Spirit gathered together and they were going to fulfill the covenant of works. That's a reason to praise. So let me tell you about it. The covenant of redemption. You have three parties, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can picture Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, in our, our own way. I, in, in my head, I think about them in a, in a huddle, perhaps, gathered together, and they're coming up with a plan. The Father says, okay, in this agreement, I'm going to give the Son a people whom he would redeem for his own possession to send the Son to their representative to prepare a body for the Son to dwell in as a man to accept him as representative of his people whom he had redeemed and to give all authority in heaven and on earth, including the authority to pour out the Holy Spirit and power as we've seen over and over and over again in the book of Acts. During our time this last year. So church, hang with us. We're, we're almost ready to get back to the book of Acts and by God's grace, we, we actually might finish the book of Acts this year. So then you have the son. The son says, okay, here's my part. I'll make an agreement. I'll come into the world as a man and live under the Mosaic law. I'll be perfectly obedient to all the commands of the father. I'll be perfectly obedient even to death, even death on a cross. I'll gather for myself the, the people in order that none, none of the people whom the Father has given to me would ever be lost. Look at John chapter 17, verse 12. The Holy Spirit says, okay, here's my rule. Here, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the will of the Father and fill and empower Christ to carry out his ministry on earth. I'm going to apply the benefits of Christ's redemptive work 
to his people after Christ returned to heaven. Jesus' fulfillment of the covenant of works allows you to come under the covenant of grace if you'll follow the one stipulation, faith in the work of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 10, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had received not you once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Church, that's a reason to praise. Moving to our third and final section. Begin with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Parents, you've got to teach your children the kindness and the severity of their heavenly father and their earthly father. Don't miss that. We, we joked a little bit on, on Wednesday night uh, back when I was, when I was younger. Um, there were a lot of people that would say, Jesus is my homeboy. Thankfully, I never said that and I didn't wear that t-shirt. Jesus is not your homeboy. Jesus is all the holiness that Cody talked about in Psalm 99. Jesus is your redeemer. He's the creator. He's not someone to be taken lightly. He's to be feared. Teach your children about the holiness of God. Teach your children to fear God. Looking at God's word and his works will lead you to believe that God is great. Reverence and obedience to God are as much in your interest as they are your duty. True wisdom is built on the firm foundation of an understanding of God's word. When you fear the Lord, there's a constant desire uh, conscientiousness, if you will, to, op- to obey his commandments. Fearing that we will dishonor God and receive his discipline, uh, I don't know about you, but it, it motivates me. I think it motivates us to want to follow his commands and, and walk in his ways. Doing more than knowing uh, his ways in your head, but to live out his commandments with your life. Obeying God's commandments is a a clear indication whether or not you fear God. If you see his commandments and you have no desire uh, to follow them, I'm going to have to say, I don't don't know that you fear God. Because if you knew God, if you feared him, you would want to obey his commandments. Wisdom from God, it results in humility, church. It doesn't result in pride. 
Wisdom from God leads to a peaceful and a gentle spirit. We'll never fully understand God. Romans 8, I'm sorry, Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, in the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. You'll never fully understand God, but church, you have from this day forth and forevermore to spend time with him, to sit in his word in the morning, throughout the day, to pray with him, to talk with him, to talk with one another about who God is. We have reason to praise God for his eternal covenant fulfilled in Jesus Christ that allows us to forever fellowship with God. So whether you're here in person right now or listening on live stream and you don't have that trust how you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you for a moment. Please hear me. You're in a covenant relationship with God. You're under the covenant of works. You don't get to choose whether or not you're in covenant relationship with God. You are. He made that choice. We talked earlier about uh, last will and testament. If you die without a last will and testament, in our day and in our time and with our laws, you're said to die intestate. And so there's a predetermined plan for what's going to happen to you, your stuff, when you die. Uh, the laws of intestacy, uh, they say that who's going to receive your stuff? The same is true when you die under the covenant of works. You're in violation of the covenant at your death. You have no mediator to defend you. It's between you and God. There's no one in between. There's a predetermined plan for what will happen upon your death under the covenant of works. And death and separation from God your eternal father. Uh, that's the curse for falling under the covenant of works. So don't let this calling pass. Please talk to me after the service. Talk to Cody after the service. Talk to anyone in the pew next to you after the service. Let's talk about this. So next week, we're going to move to Psalm 112. Uh, we're going to look at the, the character of the righteous, uh, the blessedness of, of the righteous. Uh, but we're also going to look at the misery of the wicked as good and evil are placed before us, looking at both the blessing and the curse on us as man and woman. Let's pray. Father, you've given us 
every reason to praise your name. You've been faithful and kind. You've allowed us to remember what you've done. You've given us the church so that we could walk in fellowship and worship together. Share a story of what you're doing here and now, what you've done in the past, that we can hope together for what you will do in the future. Lord, thank you for caring enough about us to say that we're your people, that you would go to such great lengths as to create these covenants so that we would understand how much we need you, how lost and dead we are without you. Lord, you made a way, you prepared a path You had a plan since the beginning of time that we could be in relationship with you here and eternally in heaven. Lord, thank you for giving us reason to praise. In your name we pray. Amen.